Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm Rabbi David Levine, and this is Live From Home. I bring you greetings from my wife, Sandy, as well. This is Erev Shabbat on Friday, Juneteenth, 2020. And this evening, Rabbi Yuri and Rebetzin Ina Korshin will be welcoming us into their home. And they'll be leading us in Hebrew prayers for this Erev Shabbat. And then in worship, we'll have a wonderful time of worship together after that. Um, I'll rejoin live from home, and then at the end, we'll return to the Korshan home at the end for a final worship song. So right now is a good time to hit the share button and to let your Facebook friends know that you're watching and that they can join you as well. And it's also great if you haven't already to hit the like and the follow buttons as well. That helps us stay connected. I want to encourage you to join in with your comments, and we'd love the chance to hear from you. At the beginning, we'd like to greet one another with Shabbat Shalom, with our names and where we're from. So please join in that. It's a wonderful way of saying hello to each other and connecting with each other. And then we enter into worship together. And then after that, we study together. So it's going to be a wonderful time. And I do have a question for some of you that would like to answer this. It may be possible for us to post on Facebook earlier in the week the the words to the songs that we'll be using for Shabbat on Friday and on Saturday. And I have a question if you would be um, if you would make those uh, lyrics, those words available for yourself by printing them. Is that something you would do? Would you actually use the words and the lyrics if we go to the effort of posting those? So let me know and just post a little word to us anytime during the live from home tonight about the words and if if there's enough if there are enough people who want to participate in this maybe we can find a way to help you participate even more on live from home so greetings to our international friends all over the world a warm welcome to all our podcast listeners and to everyone who's part of the beth israel messianic synagogue mishpocha i want to greet you shabbat shalom Sandy joins me in the greeting. Now let's join the Korshan family to live from home. Shabbat Shalom. Good evening, everyone, and welcome into our home. Let's welcome Shabbat with Shabbat prayers. Baruch atadonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher kitshanu bidvarecha, Venatan lanu et Yeshua meshichenu, Vetsivanu lehiyot, Or laolam, Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the Universe, who has sanctified us in your word and given us Yeshua, our Messiah, and commanded us to be light to the world. Amen. Let us proceed with Shema Israel. Let's pray together. Shema Yisrael 
The Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom for all eternity. Amen. The children of Israel shall keep the Shabbat, observing it throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Shabbat to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Amen.
beautiful time of worship. Thank you all for entering in. Thank you, Rabbi Yuri, Rabbi Zanina, and David for leading us in worship. One of our traditions at Beth Israel is to gather under the Talit when we're together at the synagogue during the Torah service and to have a time to bless the children and to bless the adults. It's, it's really a great tradition that we have and it's, it's in a sense it's a kind of preventative medicine that the Lord gives us. The blessings of God help us go through life in a positive way with power and with strength. And today, Sandy encouraged me to have a time of blessing during life from home. So I'm going to try that tonight. And I would like to invite you to ask your family, everyone who's at home with you, to gather together with you so you can be together. And I actually want to pray God's blessing on each of you with the blessing of faith that you would be filled up with faith in these days. You individually and all the people who are part of your family. There are some people who need to come to faith in, in your family and others who need to grow in faith, but we all want to be strong in our faith. And that's how I wanna pray right now. So I'm gonna pray, Lord, I thank you for our mishpacha here at Beth Israel. I thank you for those who join us all over the world. And I pray that you would pour out your blessing of faith upon us. We know, Lord, that, that we need to respond to you in faith and with faith, but we're asking that the gift of faith would be poured out on us and also that we would bear the fruit of faith as well. I'm praying, Lord, that each of us would not only have faith that's strong, but faith that's powerful as well. Would you bless each one of us night with that kind of faith and would you pour out hope upon us as well that our faith could be joined by hope as well lord and one more thing i want to pray lord that our hearts would be confident that we would feel the confidence that we have in the lord and we would sense that in our emotions in our feelings and in all the intuitive ways that we experience Lord, let our faith touch our hearts. And Lord, I pray also that you would bless us with faith that touches our mind as well, that each of us would be thinking about the ways that you have been faithful to us and the ways that you have proven yourself in times past and that we could remember with gladness how you have guided us, Lord, and how you have led us step by step. And Lord, I remember the words from Sandy last week, the cloud, the cloud, the cloud. Lord, we wanna keep our eyes on you. And would you bless us, Lord, with that kind of single-mindedness and perseverance, that kind of focus in our hearts and our minds, where we are keeping our eyes on you and not just the circumstances around us, and that we would apprehend, Lord, how you're moving and when you're moving and where you're moving so that we can follow you and your timing. Lord, we want to be people of faith and we know how critical faith is and faithfulness is even in this very day. And so we thank you in the name of Yeshua. Pour out such blessing, Lord, that, that our faith is strong and increases and that during these days, Lord, we are not weak in faith, but we're strong in faith. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. So that's a great thing to do for us to 
pray for blessing as we normally do when we're together. So uh, I, I hope that you receive that into your heart, into your mind, and let it touch your spirit. I want to encourage you also, after Live From Home, to read Cantor Aaron's Torah teaser for this week. It's in written form and it's also going to speak to faith. It speaks to faith. I want to give a special welcome as well to Eddie Sandoval, who's joining us on the tech team for Live From Home. Greetings, Eddie. We're glad you're part of the team and helping us. And we're so thankful for your participation. And also special congratulations to Claude and Esther Painter, 51 years uh, anniversary this week past week. Congratulations on a long and happy and fruitful marriage. Well, before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kidshenu b'mitzvotah v'tzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This week's Torah portion is called Shalach, or a long version, Shalach Lecha, and it can be understood this way. The title can be understood, send on your behalf, or send for yourself. This is the instruction that the Lord gave to Moses when the children of Israel were getting ready to go from Sinai into the promised land. The Lord gave these words of instruction to Moses. You can turn to Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, and we can read this together. And thanks so much to those of you that post the scripture references as we're studying together. This is really a great time to stay focused. And so I, I know that Flo Woods is always posting these and others as well. And those of you who have the ability, the technical ability to copy translations into, to copy the actual verses in, I wanna encourage you to do that sometime. And some of you who are great typers, you might actually type in the translation that I'm using, which sometimes is, um, is my own translation or uh, a compendium of other translations as well. Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse one, the Lord said to Moshe, send men on your behalf. And here I'm reading from David Stern's translation to reconnoiter the land of Canaan. And maybe our cantor Aaron Jacobs, uh, retired Commodore and captain in the Navy can give us a great military definition of reconnoiter. Send men on your behalf to reconnoiter to spy out the land and to bring back a report, to spy out the land of Canaan, which I, the Lord, am giving to the people of Israel. So I, I want to look at just the key ideas in that passage. Moses is getting an instruction from the Lord because the Lord wants Israel to move from the position that they're in as directly as they can into the promised land that God has for them. And so he says to Moses, send men on your behalf. Send men who will see things for you because I'm not telling you to go, but I'm, I want them to go. And to spy out the land of Canaan, that's the specific land, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Think about this. The Lord is saying to Moses, I'm giving this land to the people of Israel. 
It's an interesting statement to the Lord. Whenever God speaks like this, it's so important for us to have an attitude of faith and responsiveness where we hear what God says and we believe God no matter what the evidence may be beyond that, no matter what our eyes see, no matter what circumstances there are, when God says he's going to do something, it's important for us to, to believe him. This is when we really can express faith as trust, where we're saying, God, I trust you because I know you're faithful. I know that what you speak will actually come to pass. So this is the instruction that Moses is giving. So Moses then responds faithfully and he brings together men, leaders from the 12 tribes, and he sends them out with some instruction about what to look for. But they're being sent on behalf of Moses, according to the instruction of the Lord. I want you to keep it, that in mind because the men did go and they came back. I think they were on a 40 day uh, spy mission, if you will. And they came back with a bad report. Not only did they have a factual report, but they had a bad report. And it had a, an ill effect, if we can put it that way, an ill effect on God's plan for Israel. Instead of trusting the Lord in the word that he was giving Moses about what God wanted to do, they lost hope and faith. They did their job, yes, but not with hope and not with faith. They did not believe God. They did not believe Moses who was sending them according to God's instruction. They saw with their eyes and they judged according to their heart. And unfortunately, they were still being, how can, how can I put this? They were still tainted in their attitude and perspective by all the complaining that had been happening for the, the time before we've reviewed that, they themselves had the wrong attitude and the wrong perspective. Because of the way that they responded, they didn't believe that God was going to give them the land. Instead, they focused the obstacles, the giants in the land, the, the problems that they could see with their own eyes, instead of believing that God was going to be faithful and was going to do something on their behalf, they came back thinking all hope is lost. When they started talking about the details, they had a defeatist attitude. They had a negative attitude and it wasn't just personal. They spread it to everyone. And it didn't go well because there was a rebuke from the Lord and from Moses, because the Lord knew that in order for Israel to experience the opportunity of their lifetime, the opportunity of that generation, they needed faith. They needed to trust the Lord. They needed to put that faith into practice. How, how do you stir up faith in yourself? One of the things that I've learned is we can look back, I can look back at times when God said he was gonna do something and he did it. Times when I did not have the power, I did not have the means or the resources 
to solve a challenging situation that I was facing, maybe that the Lord even led me into, but the Lord solved the problem. The Lord gave the victory. The Lord opened up something that I could not have accomplished on my own, but I experienced it at the hand of the Lord. When I think about such things, it builds faith in me. My faith grows stronger. When I thank the Lord and express that thanksgiving concretely, Lord, thank you for this and, and thank you concretely for that. When I am specific, my faith actually gets stronger. I, I have learned this and I've also learned when I focus only on the obstacles and only on the difficulties, my faith often grows weaker and I have to battle for my faith. I do that battle. I strengthen myself in the Lord. I remind myself of God's goodness. But the children of Israel at this point were not remembering God's goodness. They were thinking about the future without hope and without faith. And, and then they received the rebuke and the correction and they said, okay, we're ready to go in anyway. But here's, here's the thing. They weren't following the Lord. Their eyes weren't on the Lord, not before and not at that moment. Instead, now they were ready to like push through in their own power and in their own strength. They were not even listening or attentive to the Lord because the Lord had said, I want you to go. But they said, no, we're not going to do it. And they started, you know, whining and complaining and crying and weeping. It was a scene. It was awful. But when they got to the end of that, they thought, okay, we were wrong. Now we're going to go. But they made the same mistake again. They were going in their own power in their own sense of timing. This is the word that the Lord gave them. It's Numbers chapter 14, and it's in verse 41. It's a very serious word. The Lord says, and I'm reading from David Stern's complete Jewish Bible translation here. He says, you will not succeed. You won't succeed. Don't go up there because Adonai isn't with you. What a strong word of caution. That would have been an opportunity for the children of Israel to stop trusting in themselves and their own sense of timing, to stop being pushy and to actually humble themselves and say, Lord, we want to follow you. We want to keep our eyes on you. If you don't go before us, it's, it's like if the children of Israel saw that the cloud was starting to move and they said, well, we're not going to go. And then the cloud settled and they said, okay, now we're ready to go even further. And they left the Lord and left where the cloud of the Lord was going. It's like that. So success could have been theirs. They lost the opportunity of their generation. In fact, it was the opportunity of their lifetime because some of those who could have gone in did not go in because they missed the opportunity that was only possible for them there. So with that in mind, I want to share some thoughts about the way the scriptures can be very timely for us and useful for us. And there's a reason for that. I want to bring this up because I want to encourage you to stay in the scriptures. Stay with us as we're reading from the Torah portion, the Haftor and the Brita Hadashah as well. Um, have a supplemental plan of your own so that you're reading from other parts of the Bible as well and taking in the, the full counsel of the word of God.
One of the things I really appreciate about the cycle of the Torah readings, for those of us that follow that cycle, is that it helps us stay together. It helps us stay focused. But not only that, there's something that's just unbelievably sublime, if I can use that word, about the Torah readings. Because even though they are fixed and established, somehow they're timely. And they bring us into contact with timely issues, even though the scriptures themselves are ancient as well, the readings are appointed. And so we could look for years ahead and see what the scriptures will be. What's amazing to me is that even though there's a fixed reading cycle for the Torah and the Haftorah, they're timely for us. They bring us into contact with things that help us understand what's going on today. Now that's, that's amazing because the scriptures are, are giving us a look at the past, at ancient times, but we're not only learning about our history by reading the scriptures, we're learning about ourselves and our current situations. And I think that's really what it means in Hebrews chapter 4, 12, when it says the word of God is active and alive. It's active. What does that mean? It, it's doing things. It's alive. It's full of life right now, not just in some theoretical or abstract way, but it's concretely full of life. It's alive today. When you're reading the Torah portion and the Haftor portion, the Brita Hadashah portion, when, when you're reading together with us, there's power available to you. The scripture says in, in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. I like that. Cutting between soul and spirit and between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And another way of putting it is like this. It's sharp enough to pierce deeply and to separate what's in our soul and what's in our spirit. And then to divide up the joints and the marrow with, within the bones. And then the scripture exposes our deep and innermost thoughts and feelings. I love how powerful the scripture is in this regard. Sometimes when you're reading the scripture, you'll discover things about yourself you didn't even know. Strengths you had, weaknesses you had, perspectives you didn't even know you needed, truth that you had no idea was even available to you. The things that's also interesting about the Torah is that it tells our story, the story of Israel and the story of all that join themselves to Messiah as well. It tells our story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it helps us discern which is which. And I think this is very valuable for us, especially in America as we're thinking about history in these days and we're thinking about the parts of history, American history, which are ugly and the parts which are ugly even now. But it helps us understand also what is good about our American history, what is good about our present circumstances so we can take stock and we can have some understanding. It's important to make to be able to discern between good and not good. And when we're looking back, when we're reading the scriptures that are speaking about Israel in the wilderness, it's 
useful for us to look at these important moments that Israel has gone through and then to apply what we see about their experience to our own lives today. You could say this, we look back so that we can look ahead for ourselves. It's a very important process. And I think the scripture is very useful in this regard. And the Tanakh is unusual in this regard because it records the failures of Israel as well as her successes. And we can learn from both our successes and our failures. The writings of, of many people groups are not like this. They glorify their successes and they ignore their failures. But we can learn if we're biblical people, if, if we have been either, if we are either part of a Jewish family or we've joined the greater mishpacha that includes the Jewish people and all who would join in with the Jewish people and the God of Israel through Messiah. It, it's important for us to look back at the experience of Israel, not with a critical eye and not with finger pointing, but with serious questions. And here, here's one of the questions. What caused the children of Israel to lose the opportunity of a generation? The generation could have gone into the promised land, but they didn't. For the people in that generation is a very serious consequence. They lost the opportunity of their lifetime. Now we read about such things and, and, and my prayer as I'm reading is that you and I would be strong. We would be strong together as a mishpochad, that we and our families would be strong and that our faith would be strong so that together we can fulfill the opportunities of our generation and the opportunities of our lifetime in the midst of all the uncertainty of the times that we're in and all the mixed good and bad of the times that we're in. Let's not miss the opportunity that we have. Let's not just try to go back the way we came. Let's not just try to do what everybody else is doing. Let's have that kind of creative faith that can do the unthinkable, just like Moses was able to do, just like the best of the children of Israel were able to accomplish. Let's, let's let that kind of faith grow in us. And if we examine ourselves and we see how we're vulnerable, then we can face the issues that I think are important for us. We need to be strong in our faith. We need to trust in the Lord in these days. And we need to live in a way that demonstrates that trust. We want to be full of faith and we want to be faithful as well. And that's why I want to focus on the power of faith that's being addressed in the Torah portion that we're reading. Shalach lecha, send on your behalf. The 12 spies were sent on behalf of Moses. In a sense, they were to be Moses' eyes when they went into the land to survey it. They were sent to see what Moses would have seen if he himself had gone in. That's what it is the meaning of the Hebrew phrase, shalach lecha. And to fulfill that mission, each spy needed to look carefully and to be very observant and to imagine, I think, what Moses would be looking for 
and to think about the details that would be important to him, even the questions that he would be asking. You know, it's important to have some sense of what questions we need to answer, but we also need to deal with the unexplored or the unanticipated things. Today, um, Barton Stone had knee surgery and the surgeons discovered today that he had a major tear and many bone fragments in his knee. And these things were not revealed through the MRI. The doctors did not know the real condition until they got into his knee. And then they made adjustments. They didn't just do what they planned to do. They adjusted their plan based on what they actually saw. That's so important. It's a principle that the spies needed to, to follow as well. When they saw things, they needed to check, what do I need to do in light of what I've seen? When they saw the giants, needed to check their faith and their attitude. Every spy, I think, needed to have the same attitude and the same perspective that most had. Each man's own unique perspective had some usefulness for sure. But what was really necessary is that each person take his, his own perspective and then be mindful and in a sense subordinate that to the interests of the one who sent them. They needed to remember this, Moses sent us. We need to see the things Moses would notice. We need to take into our hearts what Moses would notice. And then they had to remember one other thing. And who sent Moses? It was the Lord. Who gave Moses this word? It was the Lord. And the Lord had said what? He said, I'm giving this land to the children of Israel. And so the spies had a responsibility. If they, if they could have grasped this, it would have changed everything had a responsibility to embrace the perspective that Moses had, that God had given to Moses, because that perspective was the perspective of the Lord. And the spies were acting on Moses' behalf. They weren't acting on their own. They, and Moses was acting on the Lord's behalf. Now let's, let's bring this home to our own situation because you and I are not spies. But every day we are being sent into this world to represent the perspective and the interests of the one who sends us. Whatever we see, we may see with our eyes and interpret it one way, but we have a responsibility and we have an opportunity to find out how the one who sent us into this world, the Lord, how he sees things. Yeshua put it this way, if I can use a good Hebrew phrase, Shalom Aleichem, peace be with you. And then he said this, to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, as the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. And then it says, when Yeshua said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then one more statement he made. These are, these are powerful statements. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. This gives us an idea of 
the mandate that Yeshua is giving to us as his disciples. We're to bring forgiveness, not condemnation into this world. We're to bring reconciliation and healing into this world. That is our responsibility. We're to bring good news, even in the midst of bad news, we're to find good news to bring to people. And we do have good news. If we're trusting in the Lord, we do have good news. Even if things get hard or harder or worse, we still have good news because God is with us. Yeshua said, as the Father has sent me, so I also am sending you. Now, let's look at another statement that Yeshua spoke and is in the scriptures. It's in John chapter 6, verses 37 and 38, because it helps us understand his perspective. Because remember, who is Yeshua? Yeshua is the Lord who has come down and taken on a human body and then through the process of tzimtzum, of making himself small and restraining himself, he tzimtzum and um, Ben Davis, maybe you can post that spelling and the meaning of tzimtzum. You did such a great job the other day when, when I brought that up. Maybe if you can copy that in, it would be terrific for people to be able to see this because it's an important idea that God can actually restrain himself. He can put the, the kind of self-limitation on himself where he can come down and enter into a human body. That's what Yeshua did. And then he was fully man. He experienced his, uh, his human body in the way that you and I do. He had hunger. He had thirst. He could experience pain. He could experience emotions that are connected to human experience. He could experience the thought process and even the battling of thoughts. But what he did was so interesting. In order to give us a perfect example of how, how to deal with the sometimes unreliable information and perspectives that we get from our human senses, Yeshua subordinated the messages he was getting just from his human sense. He subordinated that to what God the Father, God who is not in a human body and not getting these mixed messages that Yeshua had to process. So the Lord submitted to the Lord. That's what it means when the Son submits to the Father. So Yeshua is speaking with that in mind in John 6. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. God in a human body submitted himself to the Lord, not in a human body. That's the mystery of the Son submitting to the Father and the Father sending the Son. Yeshua said, I came not to do my will, not the human side of my will, but the divine side of the will of God. John chapter 4, verse 34 I'm working backwards. This is for some of you, you always think, oh, we're going to turn to a later chapter. But in this case, we're going to go to an early chapter in John chapter four, verse 34. Yeshua explained, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. 
This idea, him who sent me, is so important. And to finish his work, do you not say, there are still four months until the harvest? I tell you, this is what Yeshua was saying to his disciples, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. Yeshua was teaching his disciples something about his own practices when he knew himself that he wanted his disciples to not only know about, he wanted his disciples to embrace. He wanted them to have the same attitude and perspective he had because he was sending them on his behalf. They weren't going in their own power. They weren't going in their own authority, but in his power in his authority. He said, I know the way you think, and you're thinking that the good harvest is gonna come later, not now, but I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now. And Yeshua said, what really feeds me, what, what strengthens me, what strengthens the Lord in a human body is to do the will of him who sent him. This requires a faith-filled perspective that's accompanied by enough hope, I think, and enough creative power to imagine that something can be done now. There are opportunities now. So I wanna to speak to you about this. I, I want you to embrace this. I, I'm talking to you as honestly as I can, as seriously as I can. There are opportunities in front of you to do good. There are opportunities, I think, that God has in mind for incredible breakthroughs in your family, in, in the faith that you have and that others have. There are opportunities in front of us, even when it looks like things may be going downhill, we serve a God who says, look up, look beyond. Don't, don't be nearsighted, but have his perspective. The spies needed Moses' attitude. You and I need the Lord's attitude. Moses needed the Lord's attitude. You and I need the Lord's attitude. We are representing the Lord's interests and his attitude. We can only live our lives to the fullest when we live by faith and faithfulness. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord. We have to make adjustments when we see how the Lord is moving. If you don't pay attention to how the Lord is moving and you just go according to your human sense of need or desire, you have, you have a vulnerability that you will miss God's opportunities. Every day, I wanna spend time with the Lord in order to make sure I have his attitude and perspective for the day. Yesterday, I had to do serious intercession in prayer on behalf uh, of my family and a challenge that, that they're going through, not of their making, but because of uh, someone who was threatening harm against them and someone who was being led by what I thought was uh, evil and not good. And I had to do serious spiritual warfare on their behalf. And I can tell you, before I even started, I got the mind of the Lord. 
before I even tried. I was praying on my own, Lord, give me your perspective. Give me your power. Give me your authority, not mine, but yours. I want to see what you see. I don't want to pray according to my will. I want to pray according to your will. And I found when I did that, I was able to go into that time of intercession together with them. And I had a sense of faith and power that came from the Lord. And I want to tell you every day, I want to make the most of that day because the Lord has made it. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. What if it's going to be a difficult day? Even so, especially so. You see, I want to encourage you to have this resolve yourself. Your faith, your faithfulness mixed together with hope will shape what you experience. But not only that, it will define the impact you have on others around you. And I hope you're taking seriously the instruction and direction that I gave last week and that I'm giving about attitudes and words of graciousness that are also attractive. And I want to, I want you to ask yourself a question. In what ways did you put that instruction and direction into practice this week? How were you useful to other people by considering how to express yourself to them with words of graciousness? I, I love to hear testimonies from you about such things. Please share those with me. And I want you to ask yourself this question. How did you protect others from offensive material this week and from um, being exposed to things that cause them trouble rather than blessing? Now, I'm looking forward to hearing from some of you because I know you're moving in faith and you're taking these things seriously. I know some of you are facing challenges, but you are bringing your faith and your hope and your confidence in God to meet that challenge. We were praying for Lawrence Barrow's daughter-in-law, who's a nurse, and she has, um, she's been exposed to COVID-19 and she has to be in self-quarantine that it's going to affect her availability for her son chris who has special needs lawrence's grandson and so we're praying for that family and we're praying for safety and protection and then we heard from mel hughes and her son josiah has been exposed to covid 19 as well um, through his work and these things are happening suddenly this is not what they were expecting, but it's happened suddenly. They're having to adjust their plans and make adjustments in their families. And it's very serious. We heard from Anya Painter, her stepfather in St. Petersburg, Russia, has been, uh, has been diagnosed with COVID-19. He's been in intensive care in St. Petersburg Hospital. Her mother also has been exposed and it wasn't clear whether she had it or not, but she had many of the symptoms of difficulty breathing and a cough and, and we're praying. Mishpacha, I want you to understand that just by us all trying to move forward in trying to live our lives and trying to balance out the economics 
and trying to keep our own personal economies and, and our businesses and communities moving forward, trying to balance out those needs with the health needs, we're facing new challenges. Things that some people didn't expect to happen are actually happening. If you were at the prayer meeting this past week, you know that COVID-19 has spread into Jacksonville Beach restaurants and bars that just opened up. And uh, a large number of people at the um, Lynch's Irish Pub, uh, a bar and restaurant in Jacksonville Beach, a large number of the employees and those that came when they first opened have now been diagnosed with COVID-19. They caught it maybe from one person who was there. They caught it, it spread to them, and now they're having to quarantine. Some of them said we were so careful until that night, and we just wanted things to be the way they were, and we let our guard down. Folks, don't let your guard down. Be careful as best you can. And, and be wise, don't ignore what's going on. Pay attention in real time so that if you discover something, you can act on it. I wanna encourage you, keep your eyes open, keep your heart open. This is a great time to be living by trusting God. Not by trusting yourself in a word God may have given you some time ago, but trust him now and follow him and join us and be like-minded with us. Be of one heart and one mind with us because we can, we can do battle together on behalf of our families and community when we're of one mind and spirit together. I wanna share something with you in this past week when I've been praying and in many of my encounters uh, with Mishpocha and with others uh, in different parts of the country. I, I realized that there are two spiritual forces that are at work. I want to name them and I want you to be aware of them and be worthwhile for you to write these two forces at work. And the first one is alienation. I believe that there is a spiritual force of alienation that, it's work, that is at work. And alienation, the way that I'm understanding it, is, is this, it's, it's the feeling of estrangement, of not belonging where you used to belong or with whom you used to belong. It's also a sense of isolation, I'm by myself or I'm, I'm not with everyone. Alienation is a spiritual force too. And there's another force at work. It's what I would call a spiritual force of escalation, of intensifying an increasing in magnitude of, of raising the volume. And here's how, here's how I'm seeing it work. I'm seeing people having spiritual battles and not even recognizing them. I see couples, I'm doing counseling, I'm praying for people, I'm trying to encourage people, but I see couples become alienated from each other rather than than treating each other with the love that they have, they become isolated from each other, separated from each other. They feel like they don't even belong together. The threat of divorce is very real when there's a, when there's a spirit of alienation that's neither recognized nor And when people have the emotions that come from that, the emotions of alienation or the psychological condition of alienation, they may not even realize that's simply the fruit 
of a spiritual force of alienation doing its work against them. Escalation, how does that work? That's when things get even stronger. You're talking to someone, you say something you, you feel is in a normal way and in a gentle way, and all of a sudden they go ballistic, they go nuclear on you. And it doesn't make any sense. Like, where did that come from? Well, there's a spiritual force at work. There are other forces at work. There can be psychiatric and psychological forces. There can be just pure emotion. There can be exhaustion at work and people lose their reserves. But what I'm talking about is not just those outworkings, but I'm talking about a spiritual force that wants to escalate, that wants to take things up to the point where it becomes so big, it's hard to solve together. Now, what to do? First of all, I wanna encourage you, pray. Pray that you'll have spiritual eyes and you'll have spiritual ears, that you'll be alert. And when you see that a spiritual force of alienation is working in your area, pray against it. Take authority and deal with it in a spiritual way, but not just uh, in words. Line your heart up in this way and start speaking words of love and affirmation one to another. Speak inside your heart, even when you're feeling that things are, are dividing you. Don't let that happen. Speak to the Lord and say, Lord, you gave me my wife, you gave me my husband, you gave me my family, and I love them, and I thank you for them, and thank you, Lord, for the life we have together. Lord, thank you for the great experiences we've had together. Give me your heart for them, Lord, I love them. When you speak like that, you can't stay alienated. When it's genuine and in your heart, you'll have a victory about that. Not only that, what do you do when things escalate? Well, you have to learn how to how to step away in the right way so that you can keep things from getting too far. You can protect yourself by not saying hurtful things to the other person. Don't, don't let yourself speak in an unfiltered and negative way. Be careful about that. But when you see things escalating, remember this, that there's a spiritual force that just wants you to keep escalating to the point that there's no safety and no return. I wanna encourage you, God wants to protect you during this time. And if you can, if you can take a stand against the spiritual forces of alienation and the spiritual forces of escalation in your home and in your immediate circle of influence, then the Lord is going to use you on behalf of our city, on behalf of our state, on behalf of our country, and on behalf of the whole world, which God so loves. He's going to use you to make a difference. He's going to use you powerfully. There may be things you didn't even know are going on. You may have thought, oh, it's only this, and it turns out, no, it's much more. You may have had early indications that gave you the impression that you understood the severity and the nature of the problem that you were concerned about. And it may turn out there's much more. But I can tell you, when you are a man of faith and when you are a woman of faith, when you've stirred that faith up and when you've said, my God is able, my God is doing good, my God has given me the power to trust him 
and to have his perspective. When you do that, you know what? You're gonna be pleasing the Lord. Without faith, you can't please the Lord. But when you believe that God will reward you for your faithfulness, when your faith is strong and your actions are faithful, you bring pleasing power, real pleasure to the Lord and he increases your power. You know, I said something recently that when men of violence lead, violence increases. I wanna say something different today. When men and women of faith exercise leadership, faith increases all around us. Use your faith. Use your faith. Stay on track with faith. Be mindful of your faith. Tomorrow we're going to look at Abraham and what the scriptures say about how he battled with everything that would keep him from trusting God and he won the battle. He was faithful. And the reason he's the hero of Jew and Gentile alike, people of faith together, is because he trusted the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. You and I want to be true children of Abraham. You can read in Romans chapter 4, verse 17 through 24 to get ready for that. And I believe this. I believe as you're fortifying yourself in the word, as you're taking lessons from the life of the spies and their negative impact on Israel, the lost opportunities of their generation and of their own lifetimes, and say, oh God, give me faith so that I can take advantage of these opportunities, not just for myself, but for all those around me. Not just for me, but for my household too. Not just for me, but for my family, for my extended family as well. Lord, use me in this time. Give me faith that's strong. Give me faith that's powerful. Give me faith that's creative, that has the ability to reshape how I think and how I feel. I can tell you this, Mishpacha, when you do that, when you take this seriously and you follow such directions, God will do great things through you and with you. Instead of just being negative, and instead of just thinking, oh man, everything is bad. I tell you what, the Lord's gonna cause your light to shine and he is gonna use you to shine the light of Messiah on other people. Well, I think that's enough for tonight. I thank you for participating with us. And you know that we are so grateful to everyone who is continuing to provide support for Beth Israel. Those of you who are committed to the congregation or giving your tithes and your offerings, we're very grateful to you. We also want to let you know if, if you want to support Beth Israel, you can go to our website, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. And on that page, you'll discover everything you need to know about our online giving platforms, Giving Fire and PayPal. And you'll be able to use those. They're very safe. They're very secure. We've had no security issues with them at all. And they're very easy to use, actually. And you'll be able to participate with us. You'll be able to support live from home and all the extended work that we're able to do as a mishpocha um, all around the world. Thank you for your support. And um, thank you for those who are sending checks in through the mail and through your bank's bill paying service. We are really grateful. We're thanking the Lord that we are strong in his blessings.
So I want to close tonight with Aaron's blessing as we normally do at Beth Israel. But I want to remind you that right after that, we're going to go to the Corsians home for a final worship song. So stay with us because the time of worship at the end is precious and powerful. So let's join together and remember Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you. May you find your blessings in him. May the Lord be gracious to you and protect you. May, may he be guarding you and being a shield for you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May his grace and his favor be poured out abundantly on you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his shalom, even though the times are uncertain and there's instability and uncertainty everywhere. You can build your house on the rock, listening to the Prince of Peace and putting into practice everything he says. So I want to say on behalf of my wife, Sandy, and myself, Shabbat Shalom. Let's now go to the Korshin home and continue our worship. Thank you, Rabbi David. Let's conclude our service with joyful song. Let's worship together. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.